we've got the Need the Need to Podcast. This is episode 10, Cocktail from 1988. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And before I introduce our guests today, we have two of them, two very special guests. One here, a home on the network, one a fan favorite and a host favorite guest uh, joining us from time to time. I want to point out that this movie was described to us by a guest I will not yet, I will not name Mike, um, he's not been on a, a Tom Tom episode yet. Okay. As quote the worst Tom Cruise movie. Hmm. It was it was nominated for Razzie for the worst film. Okay. Did it win? Hold on, let's see here. I want to check here. It won worst picture. It won worst screenplay. It was nominated for worst actor and worst director. Don't know that it deserves all that. We will get into it. <laughs> yeah. But I just want to sort of lay the groundwork <laughs> right. by saying I disagree. To an extent, mm-hmm. that this is the worst Tom Cruise movie because there are we have watched bad Tom Cruise movies so far. Well, <laughs> I, that's funny to hear too because at, I remember when this movie came out, I was too young to see it, but I remember the song Kokomo. We'll get there, and I mm-hmm. thought that this movie was a huge success. Uh, little did I know. Who knew? Who knew? Actually, I don't think we have. We've, we haven't really watched bad Tom Cruise movies. We watched bad Tom Hanks movies. I can tell you that much. But losing it, not great. But the other nine, I'm on board. Same here. And same with this one. Yeah. So with us tonight, first off, he is the host of the Foodie Films podcast, the Foodie Films man himself. He's also the co-host of P.S. I Love Hoffman and P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, making his triumphant Tom Tom Club debut, Mr. Kyle Reinfried. Hello, Kyle. Hello. Thanks for having me. So everything I say is decree, is I, is the you know the good word of the foodie Bible, so... <laughs> I mean, this is a foodie film, so yeah. that's why you're here. Uh, Kyle, my leaf brother from Return of the Jedi episodes, how are you doing? <laughs> Hello. Nice. <laughs> and also with us today, you know him from his Mazes and Monsters episode of Hanks for the Memories, as well as a couple other episodes here on the network, host of the Cinema Stories show on YouTube, we have Mr. Austin Wolf Southern, Sirens in the Background. Hello, Austin. Hi, I, uh, thanks for having me. I'm... I'm sorry. Who's coming to get you? I live in this neighborhood. What have you done? Who's coming after you? This is just New York. It's going to happen every 10 minutes. We had to bring in our New York expert for this movie that (laughs) feels like it takes place in Jamaica, but if you think about it, but only 24 minutes in Jamaica, the rest of it stuck in it is stuck in new york really so i apologize i should have flown down to jamaica for authenticity <laughs> quick confession I mean, that is your home away from home yeah uh-huh. i had thought i had seen this entire movie turns out i missed like a whole chunk when he moved back to new york <laughs> like back when i watched this movie I must oh you have... thought he just stayed in jamaica well i thought yeah i thought it was all the jamaica stuff and then i remember him trying to get uh elizabeth shoe that's so funny that it I had always remembered this as like a Caribbean, Jamaican, that kind of like <laughs> island movie, and it's totally not. Well, it is an island movie. It's New York. <laughs> yeah. Okay, technically. True. <laughs> Sorry. I wish the Sorry. bar was in Jamaica, Queens. Ooh, oh, really that's my thought. Like, in this movie, Tom Cruise unfurls that poster of bikini-clad babe with Jamaica across her bosoms, <laughs> and he wears mm-hmm. it like it's his body. Like, it's, it's so perfectly made for his body. Like, it looks like it's, you know, his head on the body. And I really thought the joke, the twist was going to come, that they were going to Jamaica, Queens, because it's it's what it's set up for. And then, no, they just go to Jamaica. Like, there's no there's no actual twist there. They just go down to where they were talking about. And I was like, I was kind of let down by... This movie could have gone in a real weird direction, I guess. I mean, it, it winds <laughs> it's up yeah, in a weird direction. It does, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it I didn't does. think of that, but that would be a, a fun bit. That would have been better. So Mike had seen part of this. Now, Kyle and Austin, I'll let Austin go first. Have either of you seen this movie before? Because I never had. I had not seen this movie before, any of it. And Kyle? 
I had seen parts, like, probably, like, edited for TV, like, basic cable. Now, has one of these scenes, have you ever nominated one of these scenes for a famous food scene on your show? Because there's one in particular that when it was happening, when uh, <laughs> Coughlin is, or Coughlin, is making the drink for Cruz in front of Cruz the first time, I was like, this has got to be in the running for a famous food scene. Well, this is definitely, this is a movie that will be covered for a full sure. episode, not even just not even just a scene, so this will be, yeah, I wanted to see, maybe, hopefully, maybe I can find someone we can coincide these episodes yeah. together. A lot of those drinks yeah. he makes look like you need, like, a spoon to, to drink or something, so, like, they're partial <laughs> food as it is. I love it's a thick like... drink. <laughs> so before we get too far into the talk about cocktails specifically, let's start with Austin. Austin, why don't you share your history with Tom Cruise? I think we probably went through this a little bit on Tom Hanks over on Hanks for the Memories, but mm. do you have a favorite Tom Cruise movie? Do you remember the first one that you saw? Uh, is he an actor that you generally like or someone you just sort of happen to see in movies? Or what's your history with Mr. Tom Cruise? I can't remember the first time I saw him. That Nothing's coming to mind. But he, I think, was someone I always kind of liked and just knew of him as this like big action star. Once I started getting into the Mission Impossible movies, I started to like really see his charm. This wasn't the first time I saw him, but the first time I was impressed with him was probably Magnolia. Okay. You know, I didn't see the, the first Mission Impossible in theaters. I saw it later. But I'm now like really into that series, and I love those movies so much, and I love what he specifically is bringing to those series and what he's doing. I think he's incredible and an, an incredible actor. And I also, I really, really love his performance in uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which yeah. I think is oh, yeah. just an underrated action film in general. But also, like, he is very funny in that movie in a in a way that, like, you know, I don't know if he as a person is funny, but, like, you have to be a good actor to, like, pull that off in the way that he does in that film and in, in other films too and i think that's what we're we're sort of learning right mike mm -hmm. that like he's got this special kind of i don't know if it's charisma or charm or just ability mm -hmm. or, or all of it whatever yeah. but like in, in all these early movies when we're, when we're gonna play later the uh would tom hanks be in this movie like i feel from the beginning and we sort of talked about this a little bit on the color of money last episode when we talked with greg mm -hmm. whatever Cruz is bringing to these roles like maybe other actors could do but it would not be at all the way that he's doing it and mm -hmm. whereas with hanks so far in these kind of goofy wacky generic-ish comedies he's doing before we get to the good ones it kind of could be a lot of different people so right. i think this is another example and go to your point of a, a much later movie austin in, in edge of tomorrow but like He's doing things that not a lot of other actors could really do or do effectively or do as well. So yeah, absolutely another absolutely. one here, I think, Mike. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Absolutely. Like, I, I just feel like Hanks, you know, he's just been do doing more comedies in general. And I just feel like he hasn't had a chance to flex as much. But like watching these early Cruise movies, like it's kind of remarkable how almost all of his performances have sort of like a swash of like dramatic to sort of comedic or somewhere in between and mm -hmm. I've just been really impressed like I think a Maverick you could think like oh he's just playing Maverick again but he's totally not like he looks like Maverick but it's like so many different sort of nuances I guess is what I wasn't sure. expecting so early on from Tom Cruise's performances. Now Kyle what about you do you have a uh, favorite I mean I guess there's a there's an easy early candidate in the running in terms of Mission Impossible 3 with your your main man PSH but do you have a favorite Tom Cruise movie do you remember the first one you saw him in is he one of your favorites or is he just someone that you tend to, to stumble, stumble across when you when you watch movies? Well, I, I've had a little bit of like a love-hate relationship with Tom Cruise. I mean, the first so the first things I probably saw him in was either Top Gun or the original Mission Impossible. 
Okay. Uh, as far as my favorite performances of his, I mean, all the three on in the Mission Impossible universe, but the fact that he like got to go toe to toe with Philip Seymour Hoffman in the third is really special. And I mean, we covered that. We covered Magnolia on there. Like you guys were saying, it's really. I mean, obviously, him and Eyes Wide Shut like is incredible. <laughs> it truly is with him charismatic, and he has that pure star quality to him there's something like we've seen this man freak out on tv i'll leave it at this but just the fact of his high level in the world of scientology there's craziness that comes with that this man like everyone just you know like i just, i don't know it's i mean he's got like one of the most like memorable like smiles and like or grins or shit-eating smirks <laughs> what i don't know whatever you want to call it the guy just has that star capability and cl- and clearly does so because the world says they have not had enough of tom cruise yet yeah. i mean there's certain movies like the the new mummy that they were like no thank you but i mean between <laughs> like the first like jack reacher and all and all again all of these mission impossibles the edge of tomorrow which definitely you know didn't do that well in theaters but then it's i think they're making a second one right i think they they're are. actually yeah, gonna they call are. this one live die repeat i think it's called live oh, die repeat and, and repeat, repeat yeah. or something yeah yeah i believe that's the title i'm looking forward to top gun colon maverick i mean even, even just like i mean it was hysterical when he's in pounds and pounds of makeup in tropic thunder like what a random role for him to play and he, and he just and he kicks ass at it or collateral yep minority report there's i mean mm-hmm. there's this man has just been in so many awesome movies and he's done a great job in them and like and like mike was saying like that can go from like silly not, and again not yeah i don't know if he is funny but he can be in funny roles like i don't know if that like is he just that good of an actor like is he funny in real life or, you know like i don't know but i mean he's won me over time and time again so yeah i don't know if scientologists yeah. are allowed to be funny like... <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of something that in the trivia that apparently he got very sick while in Jamaica, because that water that he and Elizabeth Shue were swimming in was, like, freezing cold. Yeah. Right? And really, so he got yeah. sick on set, and, I, you know, with respect to all religions, uh, Scientology, like, you apparently, like, you know, can shed your sickness and shed your illness because you have transcended this this mortal body or whatever, so I guess this was not, this was before he found Zeno, I guess, but... <laughs> I think his thetan, his thetan levels are running high. He's right. gone clear. It's just kind of interesting, though, like, just that he can do whatever, like, publicly or privately. Exactly. And, you know, and it you know, we still want to see him act and we want to watch his movies. Like, that says a lot. Like, that's that yep. un-sort of... That's the star quality kind of thing. That's what I think of when I think of Tom Cruise yeah. nowadays, definitely. It's like, I almost don't care about any of that stuff. I just want to see his movies. Like, I love him when he's on screen. You know, I'm not comparing their acting talents, but you have him, your George Clooney, your Brad Pitts. Like, they're just in that era of good-looking guys that show up and do the job pretty damn good. You know, I'm, I'm thinking as we're having this discussion, Mike, that I know that Hanks is going to come around. I know that Hanks the Memories is going to get better, because the reason we did that is because we know that there are so many good movies and everything like that, but I'm at the point right now with Cruise Club where I was I think early on the Cage Club where I don't know if I don't know what's coming next and I don't have any fear feel like I'm just there for the ride like Hanks I'm like oh boy like what kind of nonsense bullshit are we going to get through but here I don't know if it's him choosing the movies that are going to be better or if it's him bringing something to movies that otherwise would be a mess that elevate them to something that's worth watching I'm at a point now where like I have full faith in him in the movies that he's making. Like, yes. they're not all great. Mm-hmm. I know that we're going to get to some more stinkers or whatever, probably. But 
I feel like I'm there for the ride. And Hanks, it's like it's kind of like the Keanu and Charlize thing where I'm just like, oh boy, like what? I don't know what's coming uh, yeah. next. And I'm a little bit worried. I'm finally yeah. feeling what you were feeling back then now with Hanks for sure, where it feels like we're kind of pushing that car uphill a little bit right now. and The opposite of a Kate Bush. Yeah. <laughs> and then with uh, Cruz, it's like we didn't even realize like it's just this smooth ride, like right from the start almost. And like that was jarring to get used to, but I love it, you know? But yeah, like this is the fun. That's the work as far as I like, split up the podcasts. <laughs> and even like you think about it today, like, you know, Kyle was just running down all of the movies that he's got coming out, like Top Gun 2. I don't need to know anything about it. Like, I'm just on board, and, like, you know, Hanks makes a movie about, like, war-torn Berlin, and I'm just like, ah, fuck, like, okay, <laughs> I'm sure it's good, I'm sure you're good in it. Tom Hanks has to stop playing real people. I want him to go back to playing, like, Although, original characters. I'm also okay with him playing Mr. Rogers, though. But I'm not. I, okay, well, we'll, sorry, we'll get to that yeah. in yeah, yeah, two yeah. or three years eventually, Some at some point <laughs> down the road on Hanks with the Memories. But all right, let's start here. Austin, what is your favorite moment in Cocktail a movie where Tom Cruise is described as a star bartender yeah, and sort of I, travels the world with his abilities. What's your favorite moment in this movie? I would call him a star tender. Ooh, I love it. And I'm surprised that didn't come up in the movie. My favorite moment was the first dance scene where he's basically trained. I mean, I say dance scene, but, you know, like dancing with the <laughs> drinks. <laughs> this could be a musical on Broadway, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, supposedly it's called flare bartending. Right, yeah. flare bartending. There's the first scene where he's in over his head and he just, like, can't handle it. And But the scene after that where he's learned to flip some drinks but he's not really an expert yet, but he's having fucking fun. Yep. I was having fun watching it. it that was the best moment for me yeah just a joy to watch but mike and kyle before you guys came on i was talking to austin and i felt i i I think this is probably true to a certain extent but i feel like you both maybe require a little bit more and i think you're probably in the right here but austin and i are very similar in that like i would watch an entire hundred minute movie of him just flipping bottles like i don't need a plot (laughs) at all i want that beginning i don't even need it to be tom cruise i realize i'm hypnotized by flair bartending and like i don't even drink really (laughs) like but it might get me out to a bar one day if i knew i was seeing like a star tender or something yeah i don't drink either and like that other guy his partner like doesn't really have that much charisma but you watch them in action and it's electric and it's like it uh reminded me of Benny Hanna. It was like the Benny Hanna yeah. of, of drinking. <laughs> Where it's just like all this showmanship and it's like it's really entertaining. Yeah, I wanted to watch that forever and like as soon as he gets to the Bahamas where he's not really like flaring it up anymore it really the movie takes a turn for other reasons but it was also very disappointing you know he wasn't like dancing with the bottles as much anymore and we will get to that turn but we're gonna get to that I'm assuming when we get to our least favorite moments but Kyle what about you (laughs) what was your favorite moment in cocktail a foodie film yeah i i think my favorite moment is early on the movie when it's him and uh i mean and and shout out to brian brown uh aka leland van lu from the greatest comedy of all time uh along came polly it's i know it's early in the film but I think it's after a shift or it's early in the morning and he's just going to pour him a drink. He's like, oh, I'm a you know, beer guy. He's like, Brian goes like, ah, beers for in the morning. You know, it's going to probably for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, beers for breakfast. I'm going to just pour you a proper drink. It's fun things like that. I mean, number one, Aussies are just 
crazy just in my world travels because they definitely travel the most and take long holidays because when you know it's just so expensive to fly from their country so i've just met i've met a good amount of aussies and they're fun people and they do know and you know not to stereotype but they do know how to drink they do know how to party so it was just fun seeing brian brown in this role and like as the mentor but like totally wanting like it's not like Miyagi being like no you know like I don't know if I'm gonna be your mentor it's just like he 100% wants to be and constantly reminds people that you know he is (laughs) Brian Flanagan's mentor and so yeah just that that early that that scene just the talking about the drinks and everything like that and then just from there just their relationship unfolding and everything I'll tell them everything he knows I highly (laughs) doubt that (laughs) I totally forgot this story until you just uh, talked about your encounters with Aussies, but when I went to Lollapalooza a couple years ago with my sister and my friend, uh, we got to the hotel, and the hotel had some kind of major fuck-up where our rooms were not ready, and like we were going to have to wait like hours, and there was this Australian couple who had flown in from Australia, and they were just like, oh, like, fuck it, come up to our room, and like we went up to their room, huh. they're like offering us drinks, they're offering us food, and just because the they're there to party, and they're there to have a good time at the festival, and like, you know, we were, ha- like, the, the hotel screwed us over a little bit, like, but they're just like, we're not going to let that get us down, like, you're going to come hang out with us, you're going to have a good time with us, and yeah, shout out Australia. Like, yeah. you guys know how to do it right. Great people. Mike, what about you? What's your favorite moment in Cocktail? Oh, boy. There's so many things happening in this yeah. movie that I could pick yeah. out. Like, one of the most random things I loved was later in the movie when he gets out of a limousine and some guy gets cut off and he starts yelling about, like, limos. And I don't know. It just It's so unnecessary, but it just colors the movie so well. But uh, I think my favorite part is... Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, okay. She's amazing. No stranger to us in alcohol movies, right? That's right. No, no <laughs> yeah. kidding. Leaving Las Vegas. And also, yeah. every time I can plug this movie, I want people to go out and see Hamlet 2. She's in mm. Hamlet 2. That movie is one of my all-time favorite movies. I just love her in this. You know, I remember her from, like, wholesome movies and stuff. I had totally forgotten she was even in Cocktail. Um, I don't remember her doing a whole lot of this type of work back then, and I think she's great. I think maybe it makes sense now, like, the whole Leaving Las Vegas and her being, like, amazing and dramatic in that as well. It's like, she's an amazing dramatic actor, and, like, she never really, I never really saw any of that. I just saw, like, all the comedy stuff. It was really nice to see that side here. I thought she was amazing and brought a lot to a role that that wasn't given to her <laughs> like oh, there's yeah. a lot she brought something in the role that wasn't on the page you know yeah there's absolutely nothing for her there she's just a cute girl who has a friend who gets too drunk which is how he how tom cruise meets up with her and then they kind of fall in love she gets knocked up goes home is then becomes an object for her dad and then they get married and she has she gets baby. Like it's just very tragic ending for her as far as I'm concerned. But she seems happy because it's a happy ending, even though she maybe isn't. But yeah, it's there's nothing for her to like bite into there and she's great in this movie. Yeah. I just want to give a shout out to the beginning of Adventures in Babysitting, which is not my favorite movie, but as my favorite movie opening. Uh, it, where she's dancing to and then he kisses. Incredible. Kissed me. Yeah, love it. So so. Good. Uh, I also I don't know if anybody are gonna if any of you are gonna guess it because this might just be our, my weird hair brain. Her look in this movie to me 
there's a modern day actress who is, I think, trying to channel in a lot of movies sort of an 80s aesthetic and an 80s style. Elizabeth Shue's look in this movie is like the closest thing I've seen to that. Hmm. Um, do any Brie of you... Brie Larson? It's, it's, who? Brie Larson? Now that you say that, that's not that far off. That's not who I was thinking of, but I would agree I, with that. So, oh, I have someone pictured in my head, but I can't recall the name for some reason. It's a really weird feeling. Can you, can you say like a movie she's been in? Because this is an actress that I love, that I don't know if she's a good actress or not, but I've seen almost all of her movies. I mean, two movies she's in I love, I adore. Both sort of uh, have an 80s vibe. Both came out the same year. We talked about both the other night, Mike, when we were going to Yeah, I know. Uh, that's the, uh, she's in The Guest, right? And yep, it follows, Micah Monroe. I, oh, yeah, Micah Monroe. I think just her look, the, the sort of the, really? the hairstyle. So she's the star of It Follows. She's the female lead oh, in The Guest. Yeah. I really haven't seen, I haven't seen her in many things besides It but, Follows. I just think, you know, also in Greta, my beloved Greta film from this year. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that yet. I really want to. Oh, you're going to love it. I, I think I'm the I only person who loves it, but you're going to love it, I think, Austin. It looks so good. I just realized that her whole, like, 80s vibe that she's going for, I think, is like, feels like she's zeroing in on Elizabeth Shue in this movie, because her hmm. look, her sort of, her bounce, her pep, her everything uh, feels... You know, right in that wheelhouse. Yeah, I can see it. My favorite moment is, it's got to be, I can't know how it's not, but it's the barman poet that he, the, bo- oh, the poem yeah. that he reads. Not, not gonna, the uh, first yuppie poet? No, <laughs> the the barman poet, which I'm going to, we don't really do clips on the show, but I'm going to put it in there because it's so good. But I just love, I love this poem. I love this performance. I love his bravado. I like his cockiness in that he's not the center of attention at this bar. And he's like, no, 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 that's going to change. Let me whistle to the crowd and then recite this poem. And boy, oh boy, is it great. America's getting stinking on something I stir or shake. The sex on the beach. The schnapps made from peach. The velvet hammer. The Alabama slammer. I make things with juice and froth. The pink squirrel. The three-toed sloth. I make drinks so sweet and snazzy. The iced tea. The kamikaze. The orgasm. Oh, hands up the merchandise. The death spasm. <laughs> the Singapore sling, the ding-a-ling. Ding-a-ling? America, you're just devoted to every flavor I've got. <laughs> but if you want to get loaded, why don't you just order a shot? I love the concept that you know, it just fucking occurred to him that he's going to upstage this yuppie <laughs> poet right in the middle. Like, it's not part of his job. It's not something he pre-wrote. He's in school. They show him in one literature class because I assume it's a prerequisite, but he's studying business. Like, there's nothing to indicate that he could get up there and fucking Shakespeare it up for a minute or two. And yet he, like, spouts one of, like, the longest, coolest 
poems with all the drinks like behind the bar listed in it and everything and it just like blew my mind thinking about that afterwards i was like this is spontaneous for the character and i love yeah i think he's i think he improvises that poem i think so too that's what i loved yeah he's rhyming the velvet hammer with the alabama slammer (laughs) orgasm with the death spasm and i mean how can you blame gina gershon for falling in love with him like right there like man oh man that is uh that is some seductive stuff my other favorite moment is and i I, maybe i missed this establishing shot earlier i'm watching the movie and like he's having such a great like this first bar that he's at feels like the coolest bar in new york and then they show the exterior and it's a tgi friday's and i was like yeah Yeah. that was so weird was that just a bar that's not where they were the whole time was it that's just like somewhere they went for hire no well i think that's where when like every the whole time where he's with the red and white striped which yeah, that's realized yeah. that's all Fridays. That's Fridays. That's the original Fridays. So when he first gets hired as a bartender, is that a Fridays? Is that Fridays, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's what struck me as because that too. was interesting. I think where he first meets, like where he meets, like Doug. Yeah. yeah. Like I think that's just a separate bar, and then they realize like, oh, we've got some talents. Let's like get hired, and I think Fridays hires them. No, no, you know, I, gu- think, I, I think I think Doug. Oh, I thought Doug you was think they're working at Fridays. At a Friday's. From the yeah, and then he sees the thing like the help wanted sign because I had mm. originally remembered it like oh he walks into a bar and gets hired, but it looks like he walked into a restaurant and he gets hired at the bar. So it's like I used to work at a Bennigan's, you know, and it's very much like a Friday's, and it's like yeah, there's a bar and like that shit gets hopping at night, you know, like it's really weird. It's like kind of a sports bar in the middle of a restaurant kind of situation thing. Yeah, that's what. And then later they get hired together at the cell block. Yeah, but yes. what, what <laughs> that, I thought was interesting. That's the poetry bar. What I thought was interesting about the Fridays is when he's in business school. His business pitch is to franchise a bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that happened with Fridays. Like he had a solid business idea. He could have made it. I like that they're flair bartending in places with flair. Yeah. Like office space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Kyle, I guess office space can't be a foodie film, but it's got to be a foodie scene, probably. Oh, definitely imagine. some foodie yeah. scenes in there. Yeah. What, what's frustrating to me about that? So I guess the story of this is that Tom Cruise takes a bus to the big city. I also well, thought, dude, this opening is oh. crazy. It's, <laughs> it's like, crazy. He catches yeah. a bus so, in the middle of the highway. <laughs> but like he had just gotten out of the Discharged military? In the military? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> like that don't never just, comes I, into play. I, I definitely never saw the opening of this movie. So when I was watching it. I was like, "Wait, what?" Like, I was like, "Did I click like the wrong movie?" Like, I, I, I didn't know because is his military background besides then saying to his uncle, is it ever addressed nope, again? Nope, nope, no. nope. When you know, because he's giving attitude to the professor, I'd be like, "Man, I served my country. Like, I'm bartending nights. Like, give me a f- like. I don't know. Like, I'd and give him like that spiel." It's weird too because he seems to think like, "Oh, I went." through the army like and now I go get a job but I always assume like you go to the army then you go to college and then you get a job like it prepares you well I think he's trying to and the, it's weird. the, the, the job market <laughs> is like no 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 go to college first yeah, yeah, he's trying to. This I, I like that this like movie takes place just like a year after Wall Street, and I'm like, oh, this is like the working man's Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> so he takes a bus to the big city after he gets out of the military. On the bus, meets a baby. I guess like there's that one <laughs> shot. Where he, he's like sitting next to a woman and holding her baby and just like, you see, kid, that's the big apple. I'm like, what? I what? It's baby's day out. 
I guess. <laughs> but then he goes to his Uncle Pat's bar, uh, who's owned this bar forever. He just seems like he's he's not wildly successful, but he's been profitable because he, he plays by the rules. Um, and, you know, this is Tom Cruise. He's going to upstage his uncle. But he's got these big plans to, like, become the, this businessman, like, you know, like Kyle was saying, like a Wall Street type. It's all, like, secret of my success. Like, it reminds yeah. me of the Michael J. Fox movie for, like, two minutes. And then he fails miserably. <laughs> <laughs> Secret of My Success, I think, notable in my brain because that's where Dave Baobao came from. Oh uh, that's God. what the, the, the Sunny episode yeah. parodies Secret of My Success. He then tries to go and get jobs. He gets turned down. He then walks past Fridays, gets a job there, but he's going to business school during the day and bartending at night. That pitch he has to franchise a bar, and even specifically like franchising a New York-style bar, is like a really cool idea, and his... Professor was clearly, like, he's hamming up with this, like, terrible, like, bullying jokes and, like, feeding, like, thriving on the laughter of, like, these dumb, scared college kids. Hates the idea, and I love that Cruz just shuts him down because he's like, no, like, you're, you can't make it out in the real world, so you're just hiding in here. And I thought that was great. And I just, I love, you know, the fact that he franchised, he did the Fridays thing. And, like, it's, you know, it's a cool, it works, so... Suck on that. <laughs> I think he needed to work on the name a little bit. Cocktails and Dreams. Well, that's not his idea. That's that's Coughlin's idea. So he meets this guy, and he's got this idea to like have this Cocktails and Dreams thing. And there's apparently a bar in Australia that's named Cocktails and Dreams that's based yes. on this movie. But Tom Cruise has this idea to go down to Jamaica, make a couple hundred dollars a day, go down there for a couple years, then open their dream bar. Things go sour when like life happens i don't like how okay. like how would you describe so what <laughs> so basically the total what, shift of this movie basically what goes on is like they become huge famous bartenders and tom cruise meets a photographer played by gina gershon and they seem to be oh, falling so. in love and his partner doug is like oh that woman's no good might like you gotta get rid of her and all this and that like driving a wedge between it you'll see <laughs> and then like the next scene like he's making out with her at the bar and Gina Gershon's like, you shouldn't have told him about our sex life. I'm like, did I miss something here? I don't know what's going on, but the two of them get into a big fight and Tom Cruise retreats to Jamaica. Very much using her as a prop for, you know, one guy to prove something to the other. Like, where did her decision come? <laughs> In the, like, she had to decide to get with this other guy, and it seemed like she was into Tom Cruise's character. The sex life thing was weird, too, because he he didn't tell him about his sex life, right? No, no that I, I think tell. All he said was, it's not a one-night stand, that he that it means more to him than just a one-night stand. That's not discussing his sex life. Brian was definitely making it, you know, that he, it was a more serious thing than just a fling, like he said. So I think, if anything, Doug was jealous and seeing that, like, he needs Brian to become successful. So I think he was just kind of putting a kibosh on it before it could mm. become anything more. Yeah, so maybe he just, lied to Gina Gershon and, yeah, and, and I guess said it was weird, was but it's still... Yeah. For her to so easily go with this new guy and dismiss Tom Cruise didn't feel real to me. There's also some no. weird continuity issues in a couple parts of the movie, but this one, where there, there's that scene where he has the Jamaica poster that he like yep. rolls down. So the three of them are hanging out together. I know exactly what you're about to say, and I was about to bring it up myself. Yes, <laughs> go on. They spend a day together, and they're yep. making plans to go to a new country. The very next scene, Doug is like... So what's her name? <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking about her name. Like it never came up in this day of planning to go to a, dip, a somewhere with together yeah. and like start a business. That was very strange to me. And there's 
There's one other part in the movie where it happens. Did she put the idea of Jamaica in yes. Brian's head? Yeah. yeah. I know she yeah, was supportive so. of it, but I she wasn't goes, sure. I met yeah. one bartender down there who makes like $100 yeah. <laughs> a night. I was like, oh, one out of like a thousand like at, mm-hmm. at that one resort you were probably at? Yeah, I think it was like three to $400 a night, which I would think maybe they would be making in New York doing what they were doing, right? But I was yeah. also thinking, so like they need seventy-five grand, right? And so if they're each making, say they make combined seven hundred dollars a night, and they say at two or three seasons, if they work five nights a week, they only need to work for like eight weeks if they spend no money. Like <laughs> I don't know where there's two or three. Like how opulent a lifestyle in Jamaica are they living? Yeah, and I, I understand that you want to live it up, but if you're going to this other country to make money to open your dream business, maybe like tighten the belt a little bit and don't spend. 20 grand a season and where's the scene where they get rejected for a loan at the bank you know like i mean what is going on like they're just jumping to all these like conclusions they're like we go to jamaica we make the money and we come back here it's like dude you're in new york and you work at the cell block like you're getting paid already just like chill and also there's the line where coglin is like i don't want to go down there because new york is where the angels are which i'm assuming it means like the angel investors because like they have people the reason they get hired at cell block is because that like wild old man's like i got the wildest saloon in town and i want you guys to work there and like they're popular and good and known enough to literally be hired from like while working to another job like you're telling me that no one to your point mike would want to give them like would want to invest in a bar that's exactly what they want like how is that not exactly like how like what i think at least tom cruise just wanted to go to jamaica because <laughs> he that's just taken a vacation <laughs> which good for him i mean cuz that's know, what that's country. what he does and i i mean yes. i guess i should say his brian flanagan after he has the falling out with his friend he just goes to Jamaica and starts bartending there, but it doesn't seem like he's trying to save money or has some big plan. Like he just he yeah. just wanted to go. No, yeah, and it just seems like he's almost like hiding or trying to like regain his strength or something like that down there and just <laughs> yeah, things are not working out the way he planned. But what I still can't really figure out is like he's not the only one going down there for work, like Elizabeth Shue's character and her friend, did they, like, move to Jamaica? Because they're, they're not on vacation. I thought they were just on vacation. I don't think so, because... So we end up finding out that she's rich, so I don't know. Maybe it's just... You know, Maybe she's, she's abroad, just, like, living abroad yeah, she's and abroad stuff. Doing her she's thing, we don't right? call Artist. women broads, Mike. No, she's <laughs> living abroad. And, uh, okay. Yeah, maybe she's taking in, like, an extended holiday or something. Maybe they have a timeshare down there. I don't know. Right, because it seemed <laughs> inter- Yeah, it seemed a little sketchy. I was like, I don't understand... Yeah, how long is she staying how, there for? Usually... But not just that, that, like, that how many story, people like, from New York go to Jamaica to work and live and, like, live out well, their lives? it seems like everyone point. at this resort... <laughs> I guess it, I guess at that point in 1988, like I mean, maybe I guess you, you had your Jamaica, you had your Bahamas, Bermuda, Kokomo. <laughs> yeah, Kokomo, exactly. But I guess you know people weren't going to like Mexico, Dominican Republic, or Puerto Rico. Yet. I don't know. I'm just like mm. trying to think. Like, I mean, our family took a vacation to Jamaica, and I know we went like right from the airport to the hotel, and like didn't leave for a week. And I don't know. I was only like nine or something. I had a miserable time. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it's very touristy. But this is the part in the movie where like everything grinds to a halt because they get down there and the tone of the movie changes 
changes, the the structure of the movie changes, like the the driving forces, like the the, the what people like what the characters want to do all changes. This is still sort of preferable to the end of the movie, where it becomes like almost like a message movie about premarital sex and like mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I don't know what's going on, but it becomes like this like you can't marry her, she's pregnant, like all like I don't know what is happening here. But I yeah. think we're all mostly in agreement that this is where kind of like getting down at Jamaica is where it kind of falls off the rails a little bit. There was always yes. some like basic levels of classism being discussed in this movie. Yeah. This is where like they're like, whoa, we're getting near the, you know, late second act, third act. We need the heaviness of classism and premarital promiscuous sex and, and stuff. Per- yeah, promiscuous sex and then of course suicide if you want everyone. Yeah, oh my god. Like, <laughs> forgot about that. I for- yeah, like that just, oh, yeah, that's, just so that's like... my other favorite scene. I think that's a scene I didn't see <laughs> when I originally Did you say that's your other favorite scene? Yeah, when he discovers the <laughs> Just, the guy just screaming from a sailboat. <laughs> yeah, well, he just finds him in just like so much blood over the table, and he stabbed himself in the neck with a broken bottle. <laughs> like it was really uh, shocking. Yeah. I did not see that coming in this movie. So that, uh, yeah, that's my number two fave. <laughs> There's a real one-two punch there. Actually, kind of a one-two-three punch in that, like Tom Cruise character brings Coglin's wife home mm-hmm. because she wants to go home and it's like oh this is obviously where she comes on to him and it's going to see how he reacts and he's like no 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 I can't do this you're my you're my friend's wife then he goes back and there's the surprise suicide but then there's like the suicide note that was left yeah. specifically oh, for Tom right. Cruise I thought that there was a little bit of like kind of interesting writing here in that early in the movie one of Tom Cruise's homework assignments is to write his own obituary. Mm-hmm. And here, he's reading that aloud. And then here at the end of the movie, he's reading aloud, or reading, I guess, in his head, like he's hearing Coglin read aloud, his suicide note. So I thought that there was this kind of, like, mirror the death of both characters, one imagined and one real. And for a movie that is not super deep, deep <laughs> yeah, uh, for lack of a better word, like, it's kind of like a, an interesting moment. You know, you have a movie like... Top Gun, where it is the same like level of like fun and like male camaraderie and hijinks, but you just always have that lingering threat of they're in the military, they're flying, you know, fighter jets, some shit could go wrong. But this is a movie about bartending, and then they just hammer this unnecessary drama. Like the drama in this movie, sure, like she can get pregnant, and because he, you know, slept with that one woman down there, and they could have their problems. But like, I don't know, the dad didn't, she didn't need to end up being wealthy mm. in that whole realm and then also right. you can have Doug's wife coming on to him and we could even Doug could be upset or you know and then could see you know could accuse him of something and they could have another falling out I don't know but it's just yeah. this whole unnecessary drama of the suicide meets meets Elizabeth, Elizabeth shoes like dad and all that was just uh, and yeah. Coughlin also sees her and she kisses Tom Cruise when he first gets to that club and then he sees her kiss someone else and he looks kind of like down about it of just like this is my life my wife is friendly so I wonder if there's something there too where it's like we're supposed to think it's her fault that he killed him he's miserable because she is sleeping around on him I kind of get the impression that like like that something happened like it was like the final straw that he wasn't happy with his life because I feel like he's trying in some regard just to recapture the past Mm -hmm. like he comes down to Jamaica kind of maybe to follow Tom Cruise to be like hey check out my great life check out my great wife and Mm -hmm. then there's a sadness that I feel like the movie doesn't really touch on enough of him 
at the bar, like, I taught this kid everything he knows, because I didn't give a shit. He's just trying to, like, recapture that glory, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like in New York, where, like, you can sort of get by on that, where you could sort of impress the maybe the wrong kind of people by, like, oh, you know that kid, I taught him everything, it's like, oh, wow, like, who are you? But here, like, they don't care, they're just on vacation. Yeah. Yeah, this this isn't Cheers, where, like, there's, like, a family at the bar, and you have your usuals, like, in every scene, like, there's no repetitive, like, guests. I mean, like, you know, like, you have your resort people, and then obviously they're eventually going to leave in the New York bars. To the best of my recollection, they really weren't repetitive guests. Well, that's what kind of shocked me a little bit about this movie, is that that's not what it's about. Like, I thought for sure, like, this movie would have settled at a bar, and we would have gotten to know a bunch of the regulars, and then explored their lives and stuff. And, like, I do like how the movie sort of takes a right turn, or or left turn, or it takes a turn when we get down to Jamaica, but what I don't like is how little time we spend with Cruz alone before Doug shows back up. Like, he's there immediately again, and it's like, we're getting the band back together, and it's like, oh, I don't (laughs) want this yet. Like, I want Cruz on his own, Cruz falling in love with Elizabeth Shue for the rest of the movie, and then maybe Doug comes back later. Yeah, they say he was there for two years. Yeah, I mean, show us a little more time of that. Yeah, they could have shown us more of that, but instead he's there for two years and then in the same week, his old friend comes back and he meets Elizabeth Shue. It's a, it's a real solo, solo the movie kind of thing where like it, yeah. everything important <laughs> in his life happens in the span of like three days. But then yes. Doug ends up ruining his relationship with Elizabeth Shue by betting him he can't pick up the yep. woman who's like worth a lot of money and then Elizabeth Shue sees that and it fucks up that whole thing and it's like, dude, you're just like under this guy's thumb again. You don't realize it. You're stupid. He's controlling you and you like can't understand that and you're just, you know, not doing what you want to do. Yeah. He falls his character falls into like a real dark funk for for a while i was like whoa this is i definitely did not see this part before yeah then we just get a lot of tom cruise sitting at tables like with his head kind of tilted down and just (laughs) it's this movie takes a really weird turn the turn was bad for me like not not because it's like he's less peppy and it's less fun to watch which it is but what he does is really gross and kind of out of character and like for him to like take that bet and pick up the rich woman Mm -hmm. i just i didn't see his character doing that before like i liked him up to that point and as soon as that happened i was really upset with him and then i he never redeemed himself to me so then he's trying to like win back elizabeth shoe and i do not want her to forgive him and he's saying like i deserve a second chance and it's like but why i don't see why he deserves a second chance and i just like really wanted her to keep pushing him away and so that just like made all of it like hard for me to watch is just like just fucking leave her alone i mean i understand when she's pregnant like you know he wants to be part of the kid's life and that's what he should do is just like all right like let's work something out so i can be a part of the kid's life but not you know we don't have to be together and then it it just he doesn't do that it has to be like everything and she has to forgive him and like learn to trust him again but why should she trust him again like he does not prove himself at all that he is that's what's so weird the movie's like oh we can't end this with two people having a kid that aren't married and don't like each other like they have to get together in the end we have to make sure that they're going to be married yeah it was very it was very out of his character like there's one thing 
thing if he flirted and like we've seen in plenty of movies like ah like you got the number like you know you could seal the deal or she hands him like a key to her room or something like that but he never goes like that's what that character should do but he's then walking with her and elizabeth Shue just sees them what like walking on the beach and kissing and then we even see that he went back and, and he moved in with her yeah very odd and there is like even the kid stuff in the beginning like like joey said he's made makes friends with a baby but then, <laughs> but then he uh, i want to yeah, see that movie, by the way i want to see that kid be like the bar back uh but anyway but then he goes to his uncle pat's bar i think his uncle alludes to something about kids he's like ah no not for me he's like ah, uh, we all say you know like like those two things in the beginning but then it doesn't come up again until finding out that she's pregnant and then we even find out that she's pregnant with what twins and yes and, yeah, and she's drinking in the end button. of the movie at the bar. Well, so. I want to I want to I want to <laughs> emphasize that the final line of the movie is twins, twins, twins. Drinks on the house. Bar <laughs> is open. Like that's how the movie ends. That he is he goes from confused to in, like enthusiastic in the flip of a coin. Like in, in you know in in a split second, and then the movie ends. Like this everything's gonna be good because he's got his cocktails and dreams. Well, it's very quickly a happy ending because even turning her around, he just says. I'll marry you, and that was all she wanted. And it's like I thought I thought <laughs> yeah. she wanted him to be a good guy. <laughs> like it's out of control that for both of their characters, like they they were yeah, falling like in love. Like I understand. They had beautiful sex under the waterfall and it was magic. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, she was gonna surprise him at work the next day and once it's like, Okay, our relationship is done and whatever and he goes back and he starts stalking her at the diner and yeah. all that and there's a the great scene where she throws the food on him. I think that's probably my favorite scene with Elizabeth. Yeah, Schumann that scene in. is great and the scene where he's in her apartment. Both of the scenes where she's turning him away are great. Yeah, and that's, I think, when the movie's at its best, too, because it's saying, we shouldn't be together. Like, we had one night together, sure, like, we got pregnant, we can be responsible and, like, care for this child, but we don't, that doesn't, she's like, I don't love you, you know, like, just because we're having a kid together doesn't mean we need to get married, and his character's, like, you know, like, fretting over it for the rest of the film, and finally he's like, you know what it means? I love her. She's having my baby. I must love her, and then marry her. I'm like, dude, no, like, what is going, like, I can't understand it nowadays, like, why you would just be like, I must be in love with her because she's having my, I don't know, it's so weird to me. Well, for her to love him back, though, is also. Yes. Yeah, for her to be like, oh, you realize you love me? That means I love you now. Yeah, and also, they knew each other for like three days. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a nice time they spent together, but they really don't know each other at all. Are there any other moments or scenes or anything in this movie that we want to... Because I feel like I was, we would go around and say our least favorite moment of it. I feel like we're sort of doing that collectively. Was there anything else that we, <laughs> that we want to point out that somebody didn't like that we have not pointed out yet? Or are we... Because this movie, like, it's it's wild how much I was enjoying the first, say, 40 minutes and how much I did not enjoy the last hour. Well, you know what I didn't yeah. realize that, like, really kind of shocked me at times? And, like, this movie is so super misogynistic that, like, you know, it doesn't even feel like it needs to be. But, like, he'll be like, here's a rule about a woman. And then they'll be like, here's, let me tell you about girls. And it's like, here's what girls like. And I was just like, what is all this? Like, this is craziness. Like, is this... Yeah, what is it? Coughlin's Law? Yeah, like... Like all oh, that kind like of five stuff. Five or six of them, yeah. I'm wondering if they're overemphasizing that stuff to be like, no, these are like this is a terrible way to behave. You know, at one point I was like, are they just trying me, trying to get me not to like this guy even more? I don't think so. 
I don't either. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to believe that, but there are just moments, like when he says, I deserve a second chance. Like, I think the filmmakers believe that he deserves a second chance. I don't think that's supposed to be an example of, like, entitlement or toxic masculinity. It's not as feminist as the director's later work, Species, which I will defend <laughs> to the end. <laughs> This is definitely a movie of its time. It has its faults in in that. Like Mike said, like I think that they just were like, oh, we need to end this with a hat. Like, we started this happy, it needs to end happy. I mean, it would have been weird if it just kept getting darker and darker and darker. That's a really crazy scene when the dad tries to buy him off. And I feel yeah. like I've seen that a couple times in movies, and it's always mm. insane to me where it's like, how much do you want? 10000 20000 a million. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. sir, you cannot buy me off. There's not a price for your daughter. It's like... Oh, and that's supposed to be his redemptive moment. That right. he doesn't take it the money. It like, feels super cliche, and now I hate the dad for trying to like buy off his daughter or whatever, like pay off <laughs> for his... Like, you know, he's actually putting a number on her love or something. Does she find out about that? She comes in, like, right as he's writing the check. It's super convenient and awesome. The thing I want to give the movie credit for is that I was fully expecting there to be a, a, a roaring fire in that scene that he was going to throw the check into, and instead it just <laughs> tears it up and puts it on a little, like, pedestal. I was like, oh, like, this, it feels like the scene, you're exactly right, Mike, that I've seen a million times, and I thought he was going to, like, throw it in the fire and be like, that's what I think of your offer. But he just, like, tears it up and puts it down. It's like, oh, that's kind of, feels yeah, like he should have mixed it into a drink or something. <laughs> um, oh yeah, and then made the guy drink it. So here's a question for everybody. Let's 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 do this one together. I think maybe I have collectively. some some other scenes I want to that oh, I go for didn't it, like. By all means. So I mean, my least favorite scene I think was the bedding scene, just because it changed the entire movie. But even before that, it just I just didn't get it. But also his poem at the very end of the movie. He does another, right as the movie ends, mm-hmm. he does another yep, poem yeah. to his unborn child. And in the poem, what he says is, because they don't know the gender yet, and he says, if it's a boy, he'll grow up to run the family business. If it's a girl, I hope she finds a good husband. Jeez. <laughs> he literally <laughs> says that. He says, I hope she doesn't marry someone like me. <laughs> That's the only future that he can imagine for a daughter. <laughs> Who's she going to marry? And he hopes it's not someone like him, which is just like, so you know that you're a shit. You know that you <laughs> are not a, a good match for a woman. It just blew me away that like those were the, that the movie ended with him expressing those prospects for a oh, boy versus yeah. a girl. Oh, I wanted to go back to the suicide note because there was a part I really liked in it. It's Coughlin like reading the suicide note and maybe this hit me more because I watch everything with subtitles, but he laughs at one point. Like he says something and then, you know, it says like laughing and then he continues and I just imagine him writing in parentheses laughing in his suicide <laughs> note and it, I thought that was great. The other continuity issue when Flanagan is trying to apologize to Elizabeth Shue and it's going on and on of him being like I'm sorry just let me like explain what happened then later on she's like I saw you with that woman and he's like oh that's what you're mad about he had (laughs) he had no idea so that I don't know if it's bad continuity or just like perceptive character work that <laughs> he's like such a doofus but that also struck me that like all this time he didn't even know why she was mad i love it 
One thing, this is not really a, a thing about the movie, but I noticed in this movie, and I don't know if anybody caught it again, this is maybe my, uh, to account for my hair blindness, I think I have a thing for voices. Did Kelly Lynch, who plays Coughlin's wife, does her voice sound like anybody else's voice? Did I, this is also, again, a difficult question to answer, if like if you don't remember. Yeah, she, she has like two lines in the movie. She's blonde to me. <laughs> her voice reminds me a lot of Charlize Theron's voice. Mm. Really? Hmm. She's got this like deeper sort of not manly, but just sort of like this huskier kind of voice. And I don't know. I was like, oh, I was like, oh wait, no, this is like this is well before. I mean, this is seven years before, yeah, seven years before Children of the Corn three. So like, this is well before <laughs> you know Charlize was Charlize. But yeah, just you know, if you ever if you ever find yourself watching Cocktail again, I don't know that I will. Uh, I just, will be. Just think. Well, obviously, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely gonna watch this again. <laughs> just think of Kelly Lynch and just think of just listen to her. Like put it back on, and her voice sounds like Charlie staring at me. So, Austin, any other scenes that you want to uh, mention before we uh, ask some questions? Ask some hard hitting questions. No. No, I, I'd like to. Were we at any point going to talk about all the other guys that were up for the role? Well, of I Brian? will. I will make that list. Yes. So. Yeah. Because I that, that, I was just gonna then say I love imagining certain actors like in certain scenes, but we can talk about that. So, first off, for the role of Jordan Mooney, who is the Elizabeth Shue By role. the way, you just reminded me, because you said her name, but the character Jordan Mooney, her last name, there's one extra O, it's almost Jordan Money, oh, and boy. that is what she has, is lots of money. Oh, and a family. Afraid Shut up. that... Shut up, Keanu Club. Cruz is afraid that she will be rich, and oh, voila, it's in her name. So, apparently, <laughs> Molly Ringwald turned that role down... Oh. Um, ah. Heather Graham was offered the role but declined to film License to Drive. Wow, she was super young to do this part. License to Drive is great. She's got that same kind of vibe as Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shue, like Shue, that just yeah. like cheerful, adorable perkiness. Very you know positive, I mean? yeah. Yeah. But also considered for it were Jennifer Grey. Oh. Which makes sense. Demi hmm. Moore, Ali Sheedy, Jodie Foster, Daryl Hannah, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Jennifer Jason Lee. I think Demi Moore would have been pretty interesting. I like all those. I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee close to our hearts for both Cage Club and also Cinemakers for Fast Times, but yeah, I, would, I, I would be okay with any of those. But I also huge I just fan love of JJ. So much. I think Elizabeth Shue's the best for this role. And then for the, the the Tom Cruise role, the Brian Flanagan role, here's going up from <laughs> so there's Charlie Sheen, who I feel like has been in <laughs> everything the that Tom Cruise has been up for. Yeah. So Nicolas Cage not on this list, but I feel like it's been Nicolas Cage and Charlie Sheen in like every contention for every male role in the '80s. But Charlie Sheen, Ted McGinley, Jim Carrey. Robin Williams, Jeff Bridges, Bill Robin. Murray, Steve Gutenberg, Rob Lowe, who I think would be great, mm. John Travolta, and then here, two, of oh course, God. the two most important ones, Keanu Reeves and Tom Hanks. Wow. Yeah, this movie was, Hanks. no matter what, going to be a part of your guys' life. That's, the, that's, that's wild. wild. I don't see Keanu in this at all. No. Did you see Bill Murray? Bill Murray, yes. Okay, yeah. Ah, oh, that would have been a whole different direction. I think I like the direction they went in with, like, part of it is that he's, like, so good-looking, you know? Like, that really yeah. adds, like, a quality for some reason. Just, like, he's really great at his job. He's really good-looking. Girls adore him. Guys want to be him. Like, there's just a certain thing about Cruz in this movie doing this character. None of those names really rung a bell for me. I mean, the only other two guys that I could see in this role would be, like, Rob Lowe or Charlie Sheen. I yeah. would yeah. love... This movie with Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop the cocktail. It doesn't have like the like hot guy part of it, but just like what he would bring to the role, like I think would really make a difference and <laughs> would really I mean, like. I, yeah. I love him. He's I a great know. actor. I think it'd Diner, be so good. Police Academy. I mean, yeah, can't stop the music. Yep. I love imagining just so many different scenes with either Robin Williams, 
Bill Murray or Jeff Bridges in this role. Like it's just those are three guys that like just what this movie is. I could I see them as the imagine. mentor. Yeah, I, I can't see Yeah, that. maybe the mentor. That's the whole thing. When I read that, I was just like, wait, which one's br-? like like I was just always was always thinking Flanagan and Coglin. So I'm like, oh wait, which one's Brian? Which one's Doug? And I'm like, oh no. You know, like, honestly, who I'm surprised is not on this list is I feel like this is like right in the wheelhouse of a Patrick Swayze. Oh, wow. Oh, he was doing Roadhouse, yeah. though, right? Like, his stuff was a little... Yeah. <laughs> he did his bar movie, but it was a little crazier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we covered that on Foodie Films. Love that movie. But, like, you know, he could... Because I'm, I'm also thinking, you know, of him and Sam Elliott could be the, you know, the, the, the mentor. Just, <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, yeah. You know, Amazing. Do a, do a Roadhouse, but just over here. Or if Vegas. he just did, like, five or six different bar movies during the 80s and 90s <laughs> and it became the Swayze thing to do. I think pretty much any of the cast of The Outsiders could have been Brian. <laughs> that's not yeah. exactly that's, a bad call. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's like, Matt for Dillon, casting wow, in this... Matt Dillon would be yeah, really for, good, yeah. Emilio Estevez. For casting in this generation, <laughs> like, if you want to cast in the 80s early early 90s you just look at the outsiders like for male role i can't get gutenberg out of my head i'm just <laughs> <laughs> he would be That's so good flipping those bottles like he could do it on on rollers you know he roller skates and can't stop the music imagine him behind the bar on roller skates flipping bottles like fuck what a I, movie i do want to repoint out that the reason austin is on a grand scale the reason austin is here tonight is because i watched can't stop the music because how did this get me covered it and i said i want to know who in the world has this movie in their top four on Letterboxd? And I found Austin, and I was like... Someone who's seen it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very good point. It's um, such a okay. good movie. Hard-hitting question for all of you. What would this movie be like if Tom Hanks were in the role of Tom Cruise? Or is there another role in this movie that he would be better at playing? I think he'd be great in the Gina Gershon role. <laughs> With no explanation. <laughs> Not a bad call. I would like him to be the Jack Daniels bottle that's in the back. <laughs> I think this movie is a totally different movie because I think we addressed this one or two episodes ago that Tom Hanks, he doesn't exactly have the sex appeal that uh, Tom Cruise does. So like, I think they really played on that for this movie with Tom Cruise. So I think if you cast Tom Hanks, this is definitely funnier and like going for a different angle i don't i don't know i don't think it's as romantic in the middle and as dark i think it becomes more of like a straight comedy at, yep. at some point yeah. again gutenberg also would have would have brought that <laughs> but i do like the sex appeal of cruise in the first half of the movie because i love all the like lust that's directed oh, for him yeah. i think this did this movie coin fuck me eyes i'm getting oh yeah fuck, fuck me eyes but this was this was like the chip and Dale's era where like horny women yeah. were were coming out and so I, I liked that aspect of it and you would lose that with with Tom Hanks or even Gutenberg what movie was it was it summer school that Brian covered where the student uh is a Chippendales dancer yeah. at night uh-huh yeah because that's right in oh, this era that too, man. a night in heaven oh yeah that I think that too yeah yeah so I take back everything I want Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley oh, <laughs> oh yeah Chippendale <laughs> tryout skit from SNL <laughs> Is there, I know you obviously you're still in the early stage of Tom Hanks's career, I mean, as well as Tom Cruise's, has there been a role that like, you know, you have that gratuitous shot that's supposed to make Tom Hanks 
sexy. Like, I know there's movies where he's, like, topless and stuff like that. Like, I mean, Splash and hmm. Joe. I don't know. think so. We haven't gotten like, to those movies yet. Like, we haven't gotten to the romance movies. Like, I feel yeah, like he's yeah. always been sort of not the butt of the joke. Yeah, he's not sexy. He's seen, a, you know, like, in Splash or Bachelor Party, like, the, they look at him, like, more adoringly or something like that. Like, when Tawny Katane's yeah. in bed with him, it's not like you're so hot. It's like, oh, like, I love you because you understand me and you're not hiding your emotions and like all this kind of other stuff going on but no one's really like jumping yeah. him you know yeah, I think he's, his yeah. he's good looking but I yeah right. I don't think he ever did like a sexy role and I don't really see him as you know being sexy yeah like I'm look, Tom, yeah, like looking Tom at Cruise. his IMDb right now, and throughout his whole career, like I really don't see besides Bo Peep and Woody. That's his hottest role, yeah. <laughs> but Tom Cruise, he can get it. All right, so another question for everybody: If you want a walk-on role into the movie <laughs> Cocktail, how would you stand Lee yourself into this movie? What would be your stamio? Uh, if you have a minor part, a bit part, either someone who exists already, or where you're going to insert yourself. There's a lot of scenes with a lot of a lot of people. Are you someone yelling a drink order at him? Like, who are you playing? We'll start with Austin. Who are you playing if you want to walk on roll into cocktail? Come back to me. I need to think of that. Okay, Kyle, do you have any ideas? Like, no one specifically, but I'm known to have colorful Hawaiian shirts, cabana sure, type gear. I enjoy course. to wear. So I, I, yeah, definitely someone in Jamaica. Maybe when. You know, sitting around and he's trying to get what's-her-names, you know. Just someone drinking a daiquiri or, like, I love a good hurricane, which is a, a daiquiri mixed with a pina colada. So just sipping away. And... You could be next to the guy who plays the dad on 90210, who I noticed down in Jamaica. I did have that thought. I was like, do I want to be the buddy of the 90210 dad who's <laughs> just there? But I thought yeah, of, Austin and I, I thought could be buddies one. together. <laughs> yeah. Go for it, Austin. <laughs> I want to be the guy who hired them at cell block the guy who like sees them doing their thing and oh, is yeah. like you cool. guys are great i want to hire you come to my <laughs> bar i think that would be a, a fun role Love just it. like showing enthusiasm for what they're doing there's kind of a it's it's almost like a reverse stanley yourself because mike the guy who plays uncle pat in this movie played guy in crowd in the color of money um, so he weird. sort of was a stanley yourself in that movie and became a little bit more of a, not a huge role here, but a little bit more of a role here. I also want to point out that The Color of Money, we have Paul Newman working mastery of the bar from the table. Remember, he's just like, mm-hmm. I bet I can get that woman to go home with me or whatever. So I just feel like there's two movies in a row where it's, I guess it's the bar scene in the mid-80s that are just, it's being exploited in these movies and just being capitalized mm-hmm. on. Also another sort of mentor uh, student yeah. relationship. Yeah. I mean, there was just there was no online dating at that point. The bar was the watering hole. The the literal, you know, it was the hunting ground. So true, 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 true. Mike, what about you? How would you uh, Stanley yourself in this movie? This is another scene that I never saw before. So uh, I like, and it's amazing. I am the artist that. They go to his gallery oh, show. Oh, okay. Tom like picks a fucking fight with me. Like, what was that? Like, he was being such a dick. <laughs> I thought that scene was incredible. So, yeah, that's my work. I hope you like it. <laughs> I am going to uh, add myself into a scene that it's it's sort of a, it's a scene that not a scene that exists, but it's like the it's an extension of a scene that does exist. The second time where he goes, where Tom Cruise goes to the hotel to speak to Elizabeth Shue and sort of fakes out 
the belt, the, 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 the front desk, the concierge, <laughs> or whatever, the doorman, and then he sneaks in the elevator. I want to be on the elevator with Tom Cruise, who sort of like breathlessly jumps on there and just be like, <laughs> what's going on, man? And mm-hmm. he's just like, well, don't worry about it. Just some, some like little scene than that because... He runs into the elevator. does run into the elevator. And that's the next question. Does he run? <laughs> he sure does. Shortly, but yes. He runs a couple times. When else yeah, does he run? He, he runs from his bar to the lady who passed out on the beach from... That's true. Exhaustion. Yeah. I think he ran after the cab in the city, right? When it... Oh, and the bus, right? Doesn't he kind of... Oh, no, yeah. I think they, they chase they it just down. totally... Yeah, okay. maybe not. But he runs when he's, like, late for class, and some guy tells oh, yeah. him he's late for class, and he runs out of the bar. He keeps and then he also... <laughs> yeah, we don't get, like, a full-on sprint. But... We get a little bit run. of a sprint. Yeah. yeah. He does, like, kind of a morning run after he has sex with the rich lady. Oh, that's right, yeah. What I also loved is that after he has sex with Gina Gershon and he goes out to the street, he, like, lets her close her door and he, like, does, like, this, like, little jump and, like, fist pump. He's just like, ah, so excited. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, little does he know that he's going to have sex with, like, three or four other women in this movie, but, like, that first one he's just, like, so jazzed about. And I thought it was kind of funny how... Do you think that's when he lost his virginity as a character? At the character, is that the character's first time? (laughs) That would be crazy. So here's here's another question about this movie coming from Harperfect on Twitter at Harperfect. He says that every Tom Cruise character could be renamed Lightning McQueen and nothing would change. Do you think? Brian Flanagan's name could be Lightning McQueen in this movie. I'm going to say absolutely. Yeah, I'm saying he could at least change it to that halfway through. When yeah. He the bar- that's his bartending name. Exactly. That's his Dirk Diggler. If they if they decide to, with their whole flair bartending, I could see him as a Lightning McQueen. Yeah, I think that'd be a little better. Brian Flanagan's pretty boring. It feels <laughs> like he should be running an Irish bar. Not to be stereotypical, exactly. but like it feels well, like... He, but yeah. he does the accent a couple times. Alright, we have an email address here on the show, run at cageclub.me. Let us know you're listening. Write in, send us a note. But we have to do one last thing on the show. We have to do our Tom Cruise Awards. So here we are, going to nominate maybe the Golden Sunglasses. Who knows? We finally pinned down over on Hanks for the Memories. It's going to be called the Woodies. That's what the awards are called. I think we're going to go buy a Woody doll and spray paint it gold or something. (laughs) Best film, worst film, eh. I think it's somewhere in the middle. This turned out to be not a total best of the worst situation but a close one like i like it but i understand like it's not a great movie whatsoever like it's ridiculous like it's completely the premise is insane (laughs) like a movie about bartenders that then becomes like a relationship drama like what the hell so for that like i love it i understand where i'm coming from like i'm gonna put the earth the only film we have right now nominated for worst film is losing it and i would love nothing losing it than to completely nix this category. Like, if we don't have to have a worst film category, if we don't have five categories or five movies that are bad, I would love that. What I'm going to put this in, though, is best of the worst, most fun bad film Mm. alongside... Endless Love, which I think this will play oh, a beautiful gonna double be feature. Endless Love. I just have a feeling. <laughs> well, people just haven't seen it. You know, I don't. I don't but know. But it's I like it's like most fun and then a bad film. Like it's, it's not true. those two things don't go together. Like those are yeah. two, the yeah, two separate halves of the film. Best. Yeah, it just re- it really doesn't have a redemptive moment. Like it is. It's like you said, like the first like forty minutes. Like yeah. Although I I, I do think that there is fun to be had in the melodrama of the last yeah. twenty or thirty minutes. Yeah. I think there's a yeah. middle thirty or forty here that's just like I, I mean, don't know what this movie's doing. There's the suicide. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Best director, filmmaker. I'm going to say no, but I do want to point out this is something that Mike said to me. Mike, you want to you want to sh- you want to share what movie this gentleman made that you and I both adore? The Hungry Rabbit Jumps, none other than Seeking Justice. 
Nicholas Cage film, one of his first, if not mm-hmm. his first VOD movie, and it is it's great. genuinely so good. It's a good one. I mean, his best work is still Species, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> Seeking Justice was also good. The Bank Job is also really good. Oh yeah, but Statham, right. Best cruise role or best or worst cruise role? Yes or no? I feel, again... Mm. In the middle, it it yeah. it's almost there, right? And then like yeah, yeah it becomes it's an not, it's, it's not <laughs> it's not either. Joel from Risky Business, and it's not Maverick from Top Gun. Yeah, this was kind of middle of the road performance from him, I think. I'm gonna say most badass, no. Most wasted performance, no. Best fight, punches, the fight at the art, bar, art fight, good. art gallery, yeah. probably the bar fight because there's more weight behind it, right? Okay, it's like their breakup, the the team, the yeah. Beatles are splitting up. Well, he also fights with the doorman. He punches the doorman when he's true. Like, after he's, the he's, elevator. He's throwing haymakers left and There's right. A lot of fights. He's Irish. Yeah. That's Do we true. nominate this for? And I think we. I think we might have to. Best theme song soundtrack score. Two notes oh, here. Yes. Number one, yes, Kokomo, yes, yes. nominated for best original song for a movie, did not win. But also number two, this is a weird kind of through line that we're finding here in Cruise Club. Mike, this entire movie was scored by one guy, and they're like, this doesn't work, and they had somebody else score it entirely, which I feel like wow. with Legend, there's the two different scores. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from just cruise movies having really noteworthy soundtracks, I feel like there's this weird score thing that's going on that people are just yeah. not thrilled with these, these scores or whatever. Something that was cool, there was a cool credit that popped up at the beginning where it was like soundtrack supervisor or something or soundtrack yeah. consultant or whatever. Oh, yeah. It was like the person who like, you know, obviously like chose songs that would fit in the movie but would also sell a lot of CDs and stuff. So like, I just love the, you know, the business behind all well, of that. Well, I think that's oh, also yeah. a job that, like, because I read an interview, I remember reading an interview with a woman who was a soundtrack supervisor for The Leftovers, because there's just such, you know, I don't want to use iconic songs in that series, but, like, the popular perfectly, music, perfectly yeah. cho- not even popular music, just like these... No, yeah, but just perfectly, like, Perfectly chosen like... songs, and it's, it's, it's a real balancing act between choosing something that people kind of know but also isn't known for something else but fits the scene mm-hmm. that you can get the rights for. And I think it's like it's a really difficult job when you sort of need like an encyclopedic knowledge of music but also kind of a film. And it's, it's a difficult thing. But, man, when you get it, when that kind of person does their job right, like it is the best. Yeah, and Kokomo, I will let you know, I never saw, I didn't see Cocktail as a kid, but we were all singing Kokomo on the fucking playground and shit, and, like, the Beach Boys were huge again, all of a sudden, and then, you know, they were, like, on Full House, and Uncle Jesse was playing the drums, and in real life, yeah. Best car chase, no best dance scene? Totally, Mm -hmm. like, pick, but, like, which one? Like, all their choreographed dancing and singing and mixing is just amazing i'll just say choreographed drink mixing and cocktail uh best <laughs> cruise outfit wardrobe i'm gonna say no i don't think there's anything here that's really truly memorable nah. best sunglasses don't think he really wears any memorable oh he puts sunglasses. on a pair when he waits for her outside the diner he, i wondered if he was wearing his risky business sunglasses but he was mm. imitating unfortunately imitating a blind man I think. yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Again, not a not a very sensitive movie. Best death he does not die. Best line or best freakout? Is there a line or freakout here? I think I think his whole poet, the the first poem, right? The I am a barman poem. I think maybe he freaks out at yeah. the end, right? A little bit where he's like, I realized like I was too proud. I had too much pride. I was prideful. Pride is what was yeah. my problem. <laughs> he's like, 
Mm-hmm. Best sex scene? Do we want to have sex oh, in the waterfall? Waterfall, probably. No, yeah, I, waterfall I like his Gina Gershon sex scene. Oh, yeah. Actually, fun thing about the Gina Gershon, when I, you know, I like reading my IMDb trivia. He found out that she was very ticklish. ticklish so when, she, when they fell off the bed, that was real. It looks like they're doing something that is not sex. I mean, they're... <laughs> but it's closer to sex than whatever Tommy Wiseau is doing in the room. Like, it's somewhere in the, the gray area between the room and actual sex. No, the room is standard missionary style. <laughs> no, but they're, just, they're under the covers, they're rolling around, and it, it's just, it looks like they're having a wild time. What it is, is it's like hot people's movie sex, where it's like, yeah. they're having so much fun under the covers, we can't even imagine what kind of positions they're pulling off, because they're so good looking. <laughs> So I'm going to add yeah. Sex in a Waterfall and Tickling Gina Gershon off the bed. Most athletic feat, I think we got to say uh, Flipping Bottles. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's, a, it's a, yeah. Oh, there was a stunt. I mean, I guess it's not really him, but he's part of it, where Elizabeth Shue knocks him down, and she kind of, like, sweeps his leg out from oh, under yeah. him and, yeah, like, yeah, 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 tackles yeah. him to the ground, and it's a fucking cool move. I remember seeing that, and I was just like, why do you know how to do that takedown? Yeah, like, she's taken some self-defense classes. Yeah. And I, so, and that's something that, like, normally they would probably have to get a stuntman for, but I bet Cruz was able to fall with it. I bet she picked that up on the set of Karate Kid. Ooh, oh, of yeah. course. Yeah. Sweep the leg. Best or worst love story? I'm going to say worst. Brian and oh, Jordan. the worst. Yeah, I'll go ever. worst. Pink cocktail. <laughs> worst love story. Yeah. Because it's like every wrong reason to stay together, right? Like So sad for her. Uh, best ensemble cast, I'm going to say no. But then the last thing, best or worst non-cruise actor, male or female? Do we want to nominate? Elizabeth Shue, I feel like she kind of, again, yeah. falls somewhere in the middle. Or do you think she's, like, does she, is she as good as Diane Lane in The Outsiders or Kelly McGillis in Top Gun? Yeah. Or yeah. Rebecca DeMore in Risky Business? I mean, Dumore I want to shoehorn her in, but... Shoehorner. Will Elizabeth shoehorn her in? There might not be enough of her to make that call, but I, I think she's really good in it. Yeah, there's something, like, she brings, like, a certain dignity to this movie that I don't feel like anyone else is bringing, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. she's, like, a good palate cleanser like in the movie like it Kinda. just gets too yeah. it gets too much between Tom Cruise and Brian Brown like you know with like their everything male that mm. they're doing in that movie so yeah yeah as soon as she's on screen the movie was about her for me yeah yes yeah, yeah. do we want to nominate Brian Brown for best or worst yeah eh, no, he's right. kind of middle of the road so we nominated this for 11 things. Best wow. of the worst, most fun, bad film, which this is also, it won Worst Picture of the Razzies, but the Razzies put out that book of like the 100 most enjoyably bad movies of all time, and this is in there. So they uh, nominated... I don't they, like to acknowledge the Razzies. That's fair. I, I, I wish that I didn't, but you know, I, I have to do my encyclopedic librarian style right. reporting both sides of the thing here. Best fights, best theme song slash soundtrack slash score, best dance scene, best line, best freakout, two best sex scenes, most athletic feat, worst love story, and Elizabeth Shue as Jordan Mooney. So I think that's a pretty solid showing for a middle-of-the-road, ultimately a middle-of-the-road Tom Cruise. Did you get Best Suicide in there? (laughs) Wow. No, unfortunately. I think that's going to have to... uh, We're going to nominate that. We're going to keep that one in our hearts. All right, all right. If Eyes Wide Shut in the end of the day doesn't win best sex scene, you guys are just, you're, you're done. I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> Risky Business has some pretty good sex scenes. So that Risky is Business true. is like a precursor to Eyes Wide Shut yeah. as far as like house-wide orgies go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, thank you both for joining us on this episode. Austin, if you want to tell our listeners here, I know you mentioned it on Hanks for the Memories, but not everybody listens to both. If you want to describe uh, briefly what Cinema Stories is over on YouTube. Uh, those are very brief video reviews that I do on Instagram initially and then on YouTube. Uh, there aren't, there haven't been any new episodes, but I made a hundred of them. You can watch those on YouTube. You know, find me on Venmo, Austin Wolf Southern. Send me a few bucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. That's probably the best plug we've ever got. <laughs> You're like a cam girl. Just here's my Amazon wish list. <laughs> yeah. And Kyle, why don't you tell people about both Foodie Films and also P.S. I Still Love Hoffman. Yeah. So if you guys don't know me, I'm Kyle Reinfried. I'm obviously I'm part of the, the Cage Club Podcast Network family. And it all started with P.S. I Love Hoffman with High School Slumber Party host brian rodriguez he and i are good old friends and we love the big guy philip seymour hoffman and so that's why we continued on we took a little break about like six eight months and then we started rewatching. took a note from you guys and are doing commentary rewatches but it's fun we're having you know people vote for we give two options and we have people vote and we maybe do we do you know some months have been themed towards the month like you know with a uh, baseball coming we money balls an option that kind yeah. of stuff but anyway i am a solo host of foodie films which i started uh back in august of 2018 and in the new year i made it a bi-weekly podcast and every other so the in-between weeks i release video content on my youtube channel so if you just search foodie films or obviously if you go on the cage club website you can get to all the good stuff instagram twitter facebook youtube so uh yeah just having a lot of fun with that a lot of you know great episodes and been exciting we've been i've been meeting a lot of uh people higher up in the food industry and dub those special episodes called first cuts yep. and those are much more about their careers but we still always find a couple of good food scenes to talk about as well and both of those episodes you've released so far are both really good and i think some of your better episodes so go check out Thank those you. two but cool so so mike our next cruise episode is rainman rainman raymond nice rainman kmart sucks but yeah Yes, two weeks, come back for Rain Man, and then next week on Hanks from the Memories, The Money Pit. So we've got a couple uh, bigger movies coming up very soon. Right. But for all things Cruise Club and Hanks for the Memories and Foodie Films and P.S. I Still Love Hoffman and all 25 shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, run at cageclub.me. Check out cageclub.me for links to our Patreon and to our Threadless shops. And just, you know, let us know you're listening. Say hi. Come back in two weeks for Rain Man and check out all ten episodes so far of Cruise Club. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Austin Wolf Southern and Kyle Reinfried. And we'll see you in two weeks right here on Cruise Club. That's where